is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, ho, 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 everybody. My name is Santa. And my name is Santa's Elf, I guess. <laughs> and this is The Talking Dead number 510, recorded on or around the 25th of December, 2020. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, everyone. It is indeed Christmas Day. It's our first time ever releasing a podcast on Christmas Day, I think. Jason, how do you feel about that? I feel good about it, Chris. I do too. I do too. It's fun. I, I do believe I agree with you that we haven't released a podcast on Christmas Day in the past. I, I always post a Christmas message on our, you know, social media pages, but we've never actually done a recording for Christmas Day. And the reason this year we're doing this is because, well, A, we wanted to. I thought it would be fun, but also because I think it's been a difficult year for a lot of people. You know, the world was out of control this year. And it still is in many ways as we wind down towards 2021. But the holiday season, from what I know, you know, a lot of people aren't going to be able to see their families. They aren't going to be able to see their friends in the same way that they do most other years. And I've heard from more than one listener who's expressed some gratitude to you and I, Jason, if you can believe it, for keeping the podcast going all year because it provides something kind of familiar for them uh, week to week, right? Yep. In, a, in an otherwise crazy world. And sort of with that in mind, I thought I'd do, or I, I, I should say, I thought we'd do one last episode before the new year and figured, why not Christmas Day, since it's, we've never done one Christmas Day before. So hopefully this brings a little bit of comfort and joy to you in whatever small way. If you're having a hard time this holiday, you know, please stay safe. Call a friend or a relative or your mom or your dad or whoever if you need to. And, uh, you know, we can just be here riding along with you. Yeah, I hope this uh, finds everybody well and happy and able to, uh, you know, plow through the holidays as much as ever, really. <laughs> I, I was listening to um, uh, another podcast earlier today, and they had an email from someone in... Australia, I forget the city right now, but Australia is at a point where at least the city this person was in might have been um, Melbourne, actually. I'm not sure, though. But anyways, they've had something like 60 straight days of zero positive COVID tests after doing a second lockdown during their sort of wave two or phase two wow. of the COVID outbreak. It was very strict. And it worked, and they are now essentially COVID-free and living the normal life as much as they can. Although, he did say they still have to wear masks indoors and stuff like that, but no, no cases. And people can go to movie theaters, people can go to concerts, they can gather, they can get together. Everything down in Australia is uh, looking pretty good. So, let's hope we can get there soon too, Jason, us in Canada and all of our friends in America and everywhere else in the world that is still having a lot of problems. 60 straight days with no positive test cases. Uh, that's the ideal. I would, I would love to get there someday. It Absolutely. Like we are, we are nowhere near that right now as we've got more than 2000 a day in Ontario currently. Uh, I remember the days of, you know, late summer, say August, when we were having about 100 a day in a population of 15 million. And now we're up to 2,500, which out of 15 million isn't a lot, but it's still too many and still a lot. <laughs> More than zero, my friend. More than zero. So yeah. anyways, this is our Christmas gift to you. Hopefully it is received well. And what we're going to do is no Walking Dead stuff tonight. Nope. Not about The Walking Dead, really. Uh, instead, we're going to talk about the 2015 Christmas movie called A Christmas Horror Story. Uh-huh. And there's no reason to delay any further, so let's get right into it. This movie, Jason, is directed by three people, according to IMDb, Grant Harvey, Stephen Hoban, and Brett Sullivan. It is All glorious people. All glorious people whom I've never heard of. Yeah. It is written by James Key, Sarah Larson, Doug Taylor, and Pascal Trottier, and it is starring William Shatner, 
George Bouza, Zoe de Grandmaison, and Adrian Holmes, amongst a bunch of other people. Uh, William Shatner, of course, was the draw here. This is why we decided to not only pick a Christmas movie, but when I was looking at the list, I'm like, Christmas Horror Story? Great. William Shatner? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And if you're gonna if you're gonna star in a movie like William Shatner, this is the way to do it. Totally, totally. He probably showed up for like one day of shooting, sat in a chair, read some lines, and left. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Here is the IMDb plot summary of this film: interwoven stories that take place on Christmas Eve, as told by one festive radio host. A family brings home more than a Christmas tree. A student documentary becomes a living nightmare. A Christmas spirit terrorizes, and Santa slays evil. So, there you have it. Now, before we really dive into this thing, I do want to say we are going to spoil the movie. And this is actually a movie that can be spoiled, in a way. Uh, so, if you're going to watch it, and you haven't watched it yet, I recommend seeking out A Christmas Horror Story from 2015, starring William Shatner, giving it a watch, and then coming back here to listen to what we have to say about it. Yeah, you know, it's Christmas. You know, go watch a Christmas movie and then come back and listen to a Christmas podcast that spoils the shit out of it. <laughs> right. And if you're going to watch a Christmas movie, make it um, Christmas Vacation. Uh, make it um, Love Actually. Maybe, uh, I don't know, what's what's that other one? A Christmas Story. You know, any of those are great choices. Yeah, but Just Friends. My personal, one of my personal favorites with uh, starring Ryan Reynolds. Oh, yeah. I think I've seen that. You should watch it. I I like watching. We watch that every year for quite some time. We didn't want, haven't watched it this year, but uh, it's we we do watch it every year. Well, you have time. Uh, maybe Die Hard. Watch any of those films, and then watch a Christmas Story and come back here. All right. So Jason, uh, this movie, as IMDb described, is sort of an interwoven tale of four different stories all taking place in the same town. I think on the same night, Christmas Eve. Well, it's Christmas Eve. Sure, but some of it doesn't totally make sense for Christmas Eve, but whatever. Uh, oh, well, it says Christmas Eve, and then it said 12 hours earlier. Still Christmas Eve. It is. Right? But so one within the, a 12-hour span, I think it takes place. Yeah, fair. But one of the stories involves a family going into the woods to cut down their Christmas tree. Like, who does that? Who waits until Christmas Eve to do that? I know, I know people that don't put up Christmas trees until Christmas Eve. What? Really? I've, I've, I've had people in, uh, in grade school, uh, they did not put up their Christmas tree until Christmas Eve. And it was a real tree. They had the tree. They didn't go fucking full Griswold and go cut down a tree. Uh-huh. Uh, but they, uh, uh, they didn't, the tree did not go up until Christmas Eve. Interesting. Well, I, that seems a little late to me, but to each their own. So maybe that is a thing. But before, I, I do want to go through each of these storylines a little bit, but just overall, Jason, in general, without giving too much away, because we are going to spoil it, but not quite yet. What did you think of this movie? Did you enjoy it? Was it, or was it God awful or somewhere in between? Uh, it was mostly God awful. Okay. And I kind of enjoyed it. And, uh, I, I struggled with this movie for, uh, almost the full run. I was on board by the end, but almost huh. the full run was uh, a struggle for me because there's cheap jump scares at the beginning. And you know how much I hate jump scares. Uh-huh. Uh, so, but well, maybe we'll get into those in each of the storylines. But uh, And horror movies in general, when I watch them by myself, they're kind of lost on me. I know. Uh, so, and Christmas movies, uh, I don't know what it is about Christmas movies, but Christmas movies are seem to be designed to be mediocre and I'm not sure why. Huh. Like there's some good ones granted, but they are few and far between based on the sheer volume of Christmas movies that come out. Right. And I, I don't know why most of them are designed to be mediocre. Uh, this one seemed to be kind of, kind of going into the realm of kitschy, but and we, as soon as you cast William Shatner in any part, you're, you're, you're diving deep into that kitschy pool, right? You're dooming but, yourself to a certain amount of kitsch, yes. Well, I don't know if a dooming is the right word. I mean, William Shatner, everything he touches turns to gold. I mean, his part was the, obviously the best part of this whole movie because he's William Shatner. He's a hell of an actor, but he's also a hell of a kook. And he's yeah. kind of leaned into that kooky thing and he does it really well. So <laughs> right. he kind of leaned into that in this role, being a radio announcer. I'm sure we'll get into that. But overall, I struggled to enjoy this movie. 
And I tried. I tried really hard. Okay. Well, I, I don't know if it's fair to say that Christmas movies are designed to be mediocre because nobody sets out to make a mediocre film, right? Directors, writers, everybody, they set out to do something good and do the best they can. Sometimes movies end up mediocre. Sometimes they end up terrible, but other times they end up amazing. Uh, it depends on a lot of factors. Right. I think some, some directors or some studios and producers set out to make a mediocre movie. We're just looking to make a profit. We're not looking here to, to remake a classic. We're not going to have something that goes through the ages as the best movies that ever lived. We might get a, you know, a niche audience here and there. We might get a cult following, but, uh, you know, really we're not trying to make the best possible movie. We're just trying to make the most profitable movie we can. Well, you're probably right about that. Money speaks volumes. And so people go for the money, I guess, most of the time. Anyways, so I am not as down on this movie as, as you are, I don't think. I, I think I liked it more than I expected to going in. I think there's some stuff in here that's really not bad and worth praising. I'm not going to claim or, or say that this is a fantastic film by any stretch, but it's not as terrible as I thought it would be. And I hate going into films sort of with that, you know, approach. It's like, this is, I expecting it to be bad. Uh, I try to keep an open mind, but sometimes you just can't help it. In this case, I, I may have gone in with that bit of kind of attitude a little bit, but overall, I actually thought it was okay and I didn't mind it. Now. I did watch it twice. Okay. And I found it way harder to get through the second time, which is honestly usually the other way around. A movie that I don't always appreciate on our first viewing, I might actually like more the second time. It happens with Walking Dead episodes all the time or TV episodes in general. Right. This one, I thought it was better the first time around than the second time. I had a real hard time paying attention to it the second time, maybe because I knew where it was going. I sort of saw the twists coming and nothing hit me fresh that second time. And maybe this is a movie that you just need to go into one and done, you know, let it wash over you one time and then move on and never think about it again. That maybe is the best approach to this one. Maybe we should think of it in terms of what used to be for Christmas. Christmas used to be about scary ghost stories, right? It wasn't. <laughs> You're thinking of Halloween. <laughs> I'm not thinking of Halloween. I swear to God, there's a, uh, look at, um, uh, Scrooge, the story of Scrooge. Uh -huh. It's a fucking horror story, right? And that's a classic Christmas story, Yeah. but it's filled with ghosts and death. And, uh, you know, there's, it's a, it's a scary story. And, uh, there's a, one of the Christmas carry, uh, carols, it's scary ghost stories and da, 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 da. <laughs> there's, uh, they used to tell scary stories on Christmas Eve. Well, it's, it's, it's part of the old culture of Christmas. I mean, this might be, this is a hundred years ago, but, uh, or more, but scary stories on Christmas, they're kind of, they're interwoven, my friend. Kind of. I mean, it's a wonderful life is similar, right? I just rewatched that movie as well. Uh, for the first time in years, we made the kids watch it, which was fun. And that's the same thing, right? They, the, the angel comes down and shows the guy what his life would be like if he was never born because he wishes he was never born. Right. Yeah. It, I guess that's sort of similar to what you're talking about, but I don't know if I'd call them scary stories. They're kind of uplifting stories told in a frightening sort of way right? The point is not to scare people. The point is to make you realize what's important in life, Scrooge or otherwise. Well, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure. I just know that that was part of a culture a right. hundred years ago for, uh, for Christmas. And we still see remnants of it today. Yeah. Yeah. And totally. You know why Wonderful Life is such a popular Christmas movie, right? Why is that? Because the, uh, the copyright ran out. They didn't, they thought it was such a mediocre success at the time. It was just like, yeah, fuck it. And then the copyright lapsed and nobody noticed. And the T and the TV stations all picked up on it and started playing it fucking wall to wall every Christmas hmm. because it was free. And so they could play it as much as they wanted without paying any kind of, uh, uh, fees for it. And they could let it run, uh, over and over all night long. Uh, <laughs> and people started watching it and then it started becoming a Christmas classic. Well, you know. 
it it is pretty good. I you know I've, I I've never seen it. Oh, well, you you probably should. <laughs> you know, it's a two and a half hour film. Now I understand why it's difficult for people to sit all the way through it. But Jimmy Stewart, and you have to be okay with that sort of Jimmy Stewart. 1940s and 50s style of speaking that's really funny and I like to make fun of and my wife gets angry at me for doing it but <laughs> if you can get past all that and just watch it for what it is it's a pretty good movie um you know that, that, that mid-atlantic accent that you know kind of half american half british all kind of haughty well and over emphasizing everything and and stuff like that I'm and not gonna... then it's jimmy stewart <laughs> right <laughs> but <laughs> anyways it. It's a Wonderful Life. That's another one to add to the list. Go watch it if you want. But we're not here to talk about that. I want to get back to a Christmas horror story. So the four stories. Let's start with um, this one. There is the one where the family goes tree cutting. Their son is replaced by a changeling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, first sort of all, you should, never, you should never cut down a tree on private property. No. Because you're committing a crime and... Uh, you can get a, like the 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 cost of a tree if you cut down a tree on somebody's private property is freaking huge, right? It's like ten thousand dollars for a tree because you're fined for various things. Well, you got to it's you know it's a cost of the tree, and a good Christmas tree is five years old, right? So it takes five years to grow a Christmas tree, and they have Christmas tree farms, and they cut them down. That's no problem. Uh-huh. You go on somebody's land and cut down a tree that's five years old. Uh, that's a significant investment in time that somebody is making in that tree and you're sure. just cutting it down and taking it. And, and why did they walk so far away from their car? And I have the same problem with the Griswolds going to cut down their tree. It's just, let's go cut down a tree. And then they tromp through the forest, like seven miles. It's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, don't you realize you have to drag that tree all the way back to your car? Yeah. And now this family that's going to cut down the tree, not only cuts it down, but they have to haul it over a fence and through a field and through a forest and strap it to their car. Just go buy a tree at the grocery store for 20 bucks, for God's sake. Well, sure, it, it might be easier. Um, but they do all this. They go in, they cut the tree down. The kid gets lost for a short time, but he, they find him. They go home. Turns out he was replaced with a changeling and some bad stuff happens. Now, yeah. This is one of the stories of the four in the film that I liked. I was really? o- I was okay with this one. I thought this one was one of the better ones. I thought there was a pretty good dynamic between the parents. There's some kind of uh, history of um, problems in their relationship brought on by some trauma that the the father experienced in his well, life. Well, he was work. a cop in the other story, right? Right. So he was. That's right. He. This is one of the ways they intertwine. He was a police in another a police officer in another story, which we'll get to. But he was traumatized by that, and it was causing some problems in their relationship and problems between them and their son. But I thought the kid was creepy, even if a little cliche, like once he's the changeling, he comes home and he just does weird things, doesn't talk, eats too much, uh, and was just kind of generally creepy. Stabs people with a fork, uh, tries to have sex with his mom. Right. You know, creepy stuff. Very, very creepy, unusual things. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But I liked this one. I thought this one had a decent premise for a story. And it probably has been done, but this one alone could have been fleshed out into its own film. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure there have been changeling type films out there and stuff. In fact, there's a film called The Changeling, isn't there? I don't know. I yeah, and it. the X Files. I mean, it's the story's pretty old. Sure, but this one I liked. I thought everyone involved was okay. Uh, you know, and you know, ultimately the boy kills the father. The mother has to return to the the forest and essentially swap the kids back. And in a way it had a weird happy ending because she got her son back. Unfortunately, the father had to die. Yeah. I, I thought the, the best part of this storyline was, uh, when the child or the changeling killed the father, uh, it cut off his hand. And then we see the kid playing with the guy's hand. Yep. I thought that was sufficiently fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And after a, bunch of other fucked up stuff but yeah you're right that was pretty weird um but i didn't mind this one i thought this one was okay and uh if the whole movie was this it, it fleshed out a little bit it, it could have been something yeah so the next one was what i'm calling the student film 
And this is a group of three teenagers who are making a student film about a gruesome murder that took place exactly a year before in their school uh, or in a school. They go into the school, they get locked into the basement, and again, creepy and horrific stuff happens to them. Uh, yeah. And so, as we said, the crime that happened a year before was investigated by the father of the changeling story. That's how these ones sort of connect to each other. And that's why he's experiencing some trauma. I didn't mind this one either, Jason. I'm going to tell you straight up. This is the worst one. Uh, this really? is the one I like the least. Yeah, because uh, I don't know if this, it, it wasn't directly a Christmas story other than it took place at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's the diehard debate, right? Is it a Christmas story? Not really. Is it a Christmas movie? Yes, it is. Yes. Right. So this is part of a Christmas movie. The murders, the the traumatic event happened to ha- happen, <laughs> happened to happen on Christmas Eve. Yep. Uh, and so they're sneaking into the school on Christmas Eve in order to report on this uh, year old crime for some reason. Like, and it's just, it's a school report, and you think that the teachers are going to let them get away with breaking and entering and, uh, you know, the crimes that they committed in order to get the story. She's like, well, it's a wonderful story. So all of your, uh, misdemeanors, uh, and federal offenses are forgiven. Well, no, none of that is in there. They, they do break into the school because they have a set of keys that will quote unquote, open any door in the school. So they're not supposed to be there. They're making their own like show almost like when she's on, when the girl is on camera, right? She even gives a name to it as if she's reporting on something. So but I think they're making a, their own for like a web school series. project. I think it's a school project. I got the impression that it was, uh, it was definitely a, uh, a report for mm-hmm. their media class. Okay. Maybe it could have been, I, which makes it a little bit dubious, but, uh, I thought maybe they were just like making a web series, right? Secretly on the sly. So in any case, they're in there. You're right. This is not a Christmas story. It just happens to take place uh, on Christmas Eve, or at least the murder did. So they're there. They are there a year later. Um, that being said, I thought the teenage actors were pretty good in this one. I, I thought they were. They did a fine job, and it was the most traditionally scary, like horror movie style scary of the bunch. I thought, and you mentioned the jump scares earlier. The first jump scare in this one, I, it totally got me. Like, really? I... It was the, the girlfriend showing up at the win- window? Nope, not that one. No, no, no. Once they're in the school. Um, oh, no. The first one was the girlfriend showing up at the window. And that, uh, that w- it was a bad jump scare. And then, yeah, then in the school. The, the girlfriend at the car window didn't frighten me at all. That one, I didn't feel the, I didn't feel that one. But when they're in the basement of the school and, yeah, the body drops down from the from the ceiling. That one really, really got me. Um, it even, it's funny. It even got me sort of the second time a little bit. I, for some reason didn't remember it was coming and it, it drops down. So you're right. That was the first one that happened before the girlfriend showed up at the window because they were reviewing the footage from last year before going into the school. So they were all sitting in the car reviewing the footage. We had the jump scare. We got introduced to the cop and the story plot. And then after all that happened, then the girlfriend showed up the window. Okay. You're right. You're right. So they weren't in the school yet, but they were looking at the footage. Anyways, that one scared me. And I don't, you like, usually the problem with jump scares is you can see them coming. And then sometimes movies subvert that by it's, you know, setting one up and then they don't do it. But in this case, I don't think there was any setup for it. It just happened. And it startled me on the couch. Uh, I gotta say. So I, I appreciated that. But other than that. How do students get a hold of uh, a crime scene uh, walkthrough footage again? She said she knew somebody. Um, uh, it, was, it was pretty dubious. It's like, I, I, I know somebody that works who was a police officer or something like that. Yeah, she said, I think I'm not supposed to have this. I'm not sure. I'm not this, sure. This kind of crime scene footage and, you know, the pictures of the crime scene and, you know, dead bodies and stuff. Uh-huh. The, the the investigating police departments have a pretty tight hold on that shit. They don't just kind of let go, oh, my my friend's daughter is ha- doing a book report on this stuff. Here's some fucking horrific crime scene footage. I mean, enjoy. Do, do they hold on to it? I don't know. A long time ago, when I was much younger, I knew a guy who grew up in Timmins, Ontario, little town, oh, well, way the hell up north. 
It's where Shania Twain is from. I know. That's the only reason anyone's heard of it. Um, but Not he, me. I'm from Northern Ontario. I know Timmins. Well, fair <laughs> Anyway, <enough>. go ahead. <laughs> uh, Timmins is like twice as far away as from where you're from, right? Well, by car. not really. Whatever. It's closer. You can get to Timmins from right where you're sitting. You can get to Timmins before you can get to the Sioux. But it's farther north than the Sioux. And it's more remote than the Sioux. And it's far crappier than the Sioux. I'm sorry if you're from Timmins. I know Shania Twain is from Timmins. Uh, anyway. Anyways. It's yeah, a small town, Northern Ontario. Good Go eight ahead. hour drive straight north from Toronto where we are. Anyways. Uh, maybe more. I don't know. Whatever. From Timmins. And he, for a while, was a crime scene photographer. And he was pretty young at the time. <laughs> uh, so he would go out and take pictures of like car accidents and stuff like that for documentation for the local police force. Gross. And he said, I've seen some things that I wish I had never seen and that I cannot unsee. And I'm just thinking like if, you know, early twenties dumbass is working in Timmins, taking pictures of crime scenes and car wrecks and stuff like that. There's no reason to think that that footage wouldn't get around at some point. If someone who's doing that is a little less responsible than your average person, maybe. Right. So I kind of believed that kids would be able to get their hands on this sort of thing in a small town where it's not the big city and everything's locked down tighter. Well, there's, there's a big difference between knowing somebody who is a crime scene photographer and, uh, knowing someone who's a crime scene photographer and they hand you a photo album full of crime scene photos, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I, 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 I have a hard time believing that he would have said, yeah, here you go. You know, you want to see something gross? Like I've seen some horrific things that really, I can't unsee and they've really affected me emotionally and mentally. Do you want to see them too? Check them out. Check it out. Kids, kids do crazy things, man. I know, but I, I, I have to believe that it's hard to get a hold of this shit. Like I'm sure they're okay. I'm absolutely positive. There are leaks. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this day and age with everybody carrying around a high quality uh, video apparatus and video editing software in their pockets everywhere, there's some shit that people can put online fairly easily. But, you know, actual crime scene walkthrough footage uh, that's considered evidence in a, in a, in a trial or a crime. Yeah. I, I have a hard time believing that this stuff is uh, freely available, even if you know somebody who knows somebody. All right. Well, fair enough. But she got her hands on it. And I think in the world of teenage horror movies, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Happens. It makes perfect sense. All you have to do is explain it saying, I got a hold of this because I know somebody who knows somebody. <laughs> right. And, you know, I got a hold of it yours. because I need it for this storyline. Yeah. Anywho, um, yeah, I, I thought this story of these kids locked in this basement being terrorized by a ghost, ultimately, and uh, well, I thought it was pretty traditional horror movie, but kind of effective, you know? I just think of stuck in the basement of an old school, wandering around the site of a gruesome murder, the, some of the sort of evidence of which is still there. Um, Moonlight is coming in through barred windows, you know, that's, that's creepy. And then they, they take refuge in this old storage room and it's filled with props and sets and like creepy mannequins from the school's unused nativity scene. Like that is a, that is a scary location to be in. And it sort of worked on me. I got to admit. Okay. So it did not work on me. All right. Well, they ultimately encounter the ghost of the girl that was murdered there she possesses one of the kids, one of the students, and her whole point is to fulfill her plan or her desires, the ghost's desires, and ultimately she does. Um, and it's it's kind of gross at the end, I will admit that too. There's some stuff there that I didn't really need to look at, but I did. All right, so the next story is the family haunted in the, or uh, hunted in the forest. That's how I'm calling that one. So- right. This one is uh, a group, um, the girlfriend of one of the students shooting the film goes with her family to visit a rich relative. They get stranded on the way home and then they're hunted by a monster in the forest. Uh, This one didn't do it for me so much. I thought it was kind of silly. Well, I liked the fact that they were all kind of evil. The the, the people in the the whole family. family. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, the the whole idea is that Krampus is after them because they're they're all a little bit evil. You know, the son's a serial killer in the making. The father's a Ponzi scheme uh, guy. The the daughter is a klepto. Uh-huh. And what was the mom? Oh, she might have been the only one that didn't have a uh, specific evil problem. <laughs> okay, so she was a paragon of virtue and in the wrong place at the wrong time, married to the wrong family. Sure, yeah. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so I kind of liked that. Uh, and you know, he's like, why is he so, this, this story kind of annoyed me, but it also reminded me of, you know, what would happen if the Griswolds were also evil. And I'm not entirely convinced they're not because they commit, you know, lots of crimes like kidnapping (laughs) and stuff. Well, cousin Eddie, I mean. Well, cousin Eddie did it, but he brought him there and then there was, Griswold didn't do anything to stop it. Right. He kind of suggested that. Uh, cousin Eddie go and do it. He's more of a crime boss than a, you know, committing crimes himself. Anyway. Accidental crime boss. He doesn't tell Eddie to do anything, but different. He he also cut down a tree and then brought it into the house. And if this, if that other family didn't learn anything, they should have learned. If you cut down a tree in the forest and you bring it home, it's going to have squirrels. (laughs) Yes. Right. There's going to be squirrels in there and you're going to have to deal with that. Yes, you are. And then it's. Anyway. Exactly. And then hilarity ensues. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of like this story in a weird kind of way. I didn't quite understand why were they going to visit uh, the crazy old aunt. Uh, and there was another jump scare of the guy with the chainsaw, which was kind of hilarious. Well, they, as they were driving in, it was like a loud chainsaw. It's like, oh, it's a horror movie with a chainsaw and it's loud. <laughs> they, go to visit the, they go to visit the aunt because the dad has you know, failed, a failed business and he needs money. So that he's going to try and get money from the rich old aunt, uh, which doesn't work. And yeah, they end up getting hunted by Krampus in the woods. And just in case anyone's unfamiliar with Krampus, Wikipedia says Krampus is a horned anthropomorphic figure in Alpine folklore who during the Christmas season scares children who have misbehaved. In this case, he is a horned anthropomorphic giant goat man who, uh, is killing them in the forest, basically. Yeah, he's sort of like Black Pete, right? He's the antithesis of Santa Claus. If right. you're good, Santa Claus gives you a, a present. If you're bad, Krampus is going to come and eat your soul. <laughs> this kind of harsh, harsh, but what have you. Something right? like that. So they, they end up in this church as they're fleeing. You know, the father, the mother, and the brother are killed. The daughter, who's the friend of the film students, she manages to get away and return to the creepy old aunt's house. And... She actually kills Krampus when she's fighting him off as before she gets in the house. And it turns out that Krampus was the rich relative's caretaker named Gerhardt. And so the old lady explains that Krampus can infect anybody whose heart is full of anger and vindictiveness. And then the daughter turns into Krampus and kills the old lady relative. So I guess she was filled with evil and anger and vindictiveness. And that lets Krampus in. You can't kill Krampus. You just kill his manifestation. Right? Okay. You let him in. All right. Yeah. So she, you know, be, because that, uh, that old groundskeeper was evil and, uh, not a nice man. He let Krampus in, you know, he, he was able to like, and, and Krampus jumps from uh, person to person, depending on his needs. Right. So mm-hmm. you, you can't kill him. You just kill the guy he's, or the person he's, uh, uh, using at that particular time. Sure. Okay. I mean, we've seen that before. The same thing happens with Santa Claus. We've seen the Santa Claus with uh, Tim Allen. Yeah. You kill Santa, you become Santa, <laughs> right? And then there's that whole Piers Anthony uh, storyline that I, I may have mentioned before called on, on a Pale Horse, where death is an actual person and he goes out, walks up to this guy uh, to kill him. And the guy actually shoots death in the face uh, with a shotgun and kills him. But he, then he has to become death. I see. So he's like, okay, now it's your fucking job. <laughs> so, and on a pale horse, he rides a pale horse, but only it wasn't really a horse. It was more of a limo, but I never really hold, read the whole story because I couldn't quite get on board with it. But that's the whole idea. You kill evil, you become evil. Got it. So you become Krampus in this case. So, and yeah. that's what, uh, that's what the emperor wanted uh, Luke Skywalker to do. Of Sorry, course. I may be spoiling uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi. It's like, you know, strike me down. Uh, and you'll become evil. That's exactly what I want, dude. Go ahead. Do it. That's what I'm going for. It's the whole point. 
Well, this one, did this one connect into the rest of the stories other than, well, I know it'll connect into the next one we talk about a little bit, but um, in did it in any other way other than the daughter being the boyfriend of one of the student filmmakers? Uh, no. Okay. So, so the final story here is follows Santa, who is up at the North Pole, and something goes wrong with the elves. They turn into zombie elves, and he has to fight them off. This was, you know, I understand what they were going for, but this one I didn't like. And I didn't like the fact that they took the elf names from elf. Like, Ling Ling was an elf in, in the elf movie. Uh-huh. And these ones had Shiny and uh, what were some of the other elf names? There was, uh, anyway, they were kind of really silly uh, North Pole elf names. And I don't think that that was absolutely necessary. Um, yeah, no, I, I know the, the elf names were weird. You're right. Shiny was one. What else have I got here? Uh, sparkles. Um, and then, and then we have things like jumping elf and foreman elf. So they didn't even have names, but, uh, this one was, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't on board with this one either. I just thought this is the one that's closest to really silly B movie Santa going on a rampage, killing elves kind of thing. It was the most gruesome of all the stories too, because of all the, the elf elf murder that was going on yep. and the way he, he killed them. But this was just kind of the silliest of them all. And, um, I, I didn't really get the point of it as it, you know, as it related to the other three stories, they all sort of had a connection in some way. This one of course does sort of connect in at the end, but it's not, not even really. Yeah. It's right? questionable. This connects, this connects to William Shatner, but that's it. So before we reveal the actual ending, like Krampus shows up in this story to battle Santa at the end. So Santa's checking on his reindeer after he's killed all the elves, after he's had to kill Mrs. Claus because she's infected as well. Then Krampus busts in the same Krampus that we saw in the other story. And Santa has to fight him, which I must admit, I thought was a pretty good fight scene. It was short, but it was entertaining. This is where the movie really lost me. Really? Because, well, you know, Santa and Krampus, in this mythology, they're not antagonists. They work together to make boys and girls be good, right? If you're good, you get a present from Santa. If you're not good, you get your soul eaten by Krampus. Uh, so they're kind of a team. They're not, and you know, they're not fighting each other. They're kind of working together. They may not like each other very much, but they kind of work as a as a, a collective unit to help boys and girls become the their best selves. Well, sure. But one of the characters calls Krampus the anti-Santa, like pretty much implying that within this film, they're enemies, right? Well, yes, but I, I didn't believe that because, you know, Santa and Black Pete, they're, they're, they kind of work together. They're, 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 uh, they're a Christmas, uh, good boy and girl team. Right. Right. So I, yeah, when they got together, it's like, oh, you're, you know, now, now good meets evil and, you know, their age long battle must begin. It's like, no, I don't believe that at all. <laughs> well, I didn't like the whole Santa thing up until this point where I thought their, their fight was pretty fun. They used weapons. It was a knockdown drag out brawl and it was short, like I said, but it was entertaining. So I, I wasn't on board with much of the Santa stuff until this fight um, where it goes next, we'll get to in a minute. But the other thing that's going on in this movie is William Shatner, who plays Dangerous right. Dan, who is a radio host, who just spends the whole movie on the radio doing his like Christmas Eve double overnight shift, playing Christmas music and getting wasted on eggnog <laughs> and some kind of booze. And well, it's rum, of course. I guess. Be I, rum, I right? guess so, yeah. I'm not a rum guy, so I, I don't know. I am an eggnog guy, though. But I, I bought rum for the first time in like five years today because I'm planning on having uh, eggnog and rum. Oh, good for over you. Over Christmas. Yeah. Good for you. Um, so he's on the radio. He's, he's just doing basic commentary, but every once in a while he brings up the Christmas food drive that's going on down at the local mall. And this yep. is referenced 
in at least one of the other stories too, the one with the kids in the school, one of them says, I'm supposed to be at the food drive right now helping out. But it's not really clear sort of why Shatner's talking about this. Eventually he starts giving us information about something bad going on down there, hostages maybe, uh, you know. And, and then there's the guy that, uh, the other guy on the other side of the booth has, you know, writes a, a big sign. It's like, oh, he's writing me a Christmas card. It says, fuck Christmas. Right. So this is the, the weatherman apparently who is going to do a weather report, but Shatner, as the radio host, tries to check in with him, but it never, he can never get him, right? So yep. then he storms, he leaves, he's gone for most of the film. Um, but this was all very weird and confusing until it all culminates. And what happens? Here's the ultimate twist of the film, everybody. <laughs> so we see Santa and Krampus battling it out. Um, Santa gets the upper hand. He's about to bring the ax down on Krampus and we suddenly switch to Santa is not really Santa at all. He is mall Santa who was working at the food drive in the mall. Who's had some kind of psychotic break. He's gone crazy. He's gone on a rampage. He's killed everybody in the mall. He thinks the shoppers were all the zombie elves and he's about to kill the mall manager who he thinks is Krampus, but the police show up and take Santa down in like the real life context of the film. And that's essentially it. Yeah. So what did uh, Krampus call him? He called him uh, Steve or whatever his name was. Norman. He used his name. Norman. Norman. He's, yeah. he's on the ground. He's like, Norman, no. It's like, what? what? Yeah. He's like, why are you calling Santa Norman? Right. That's not his real name. I, I do. His name th- is Chris, just like you. Right. I do think it was um, the way they cut back and forth between what crazy Norman as Santa was seeing and what was actually happening. Right. At one, at one part it's, you know, you, he thinks it's Krampus he's about to kill. And then you see a shot of the boss, but still in the like Santa environment. And then it cuts back to Santa and then it cuts back to the boss. And now it's the boss in the mall environment. So it's sort of like, you know, crazy Norman is slowly snapping out of his, his, I don't know, murderous rage. Um, but ultimately that's it. That's where the movie ends. Um, they, the police show up, they kill Santa and, uh, Shatner finishes the movie saying, why does, why does Christmas always degrade into a violent bloodbath or something like that movie over? (laughs) Um, well, yeah, it's the town, right? It's because Krampus is kicking around this town and fucking shit up. (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was the whole thing. Um, you know, the overall, I'd say a couple of these stories were decent. A couple of them I don't think were very good. Uh, I think the William Shatner stuff was ham-fisted into the film a little bit and didn't make really any sense at all. And maybe might have even been totally unnecessary. Yeah, welcome to William Shatner. <laughs> totally <Right>? unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> totally unnecessary, uh, shoehorned in right. uh, for the sake of a name. Uh, and what you get when you cast William Shatner is William Shatner the kook, which is a carefully crafted persona. Yep. I'm absolutely positive because he's a Shakespearean actor and he's a hell of an actor. If you see uh, some of the stuff he's done in the uh, in the 70s or even the 60s before Star Trek, uh, you know, he's a hell of an actor. Like. Look at the 40,000 feet from Twilight Zone or whatever the hell that yeah, show was. Yeah, terror at 20,000 feet or 40 or whatever, yeah. Uh, you know, he's a hell of an actor. He really is a hell of an actor from Montreal. <laughs> and uh, he's just, he's turned into this kook. I but, know. Uh, I'll watch him in anything. Well, I guess I will too, because I sort of chose this because of Shatner, but... I just think this movie could have been better if the stories had interwoven with each other in some more meaningful way, right? Uh, I don't think they took that far enough because really all we had here is the the father of the changeling was the police officer, the kids were friends, Krampus was in two of the stories. I'm not even sure if we're supposed to think that releasing or the, the girl in the in the one story becoming Krampus is that have anything to do with the Santa one? Like, was that her? Are we supposed to think? I, I don't know. 
there's no reason why Krampus can't uh, occupy more than one evil soul at, at a time. Really? I'm not so sure about that. The movie needs to be clear on these things. Well, I just, it, it's Krampus. He's the uh, manifestation of uh, bad boys and girls. Sure. So well, that there's lots of bad boys and girls. Why can't there be more than one Krampus? I guess. Well, manifestation. I... These are just Krampus avatars, right? They're not the actual Krampus. <laughs> They're just his, you know, manifestations on uh, the earthly plane. I guess there's so. no reason why you can't have more than one avatar. Well, we need a we need a movie called Krampus Avatar to explain it to us. Yeah. Anyways, you know that's kind of it. Um, the, the two two of the stories were good. The rest of it didn't work so well for me, except for the cramp the Krampus and Santa battle. And uh, I had a real hard time with it the second time. So only watch it once, everyone, if you're going to watch it. Yeah, much like uh, what you said in the last episode of uh, the podcast. Uh, in a reference to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I found this movie mostly crap. <laughs> well, that's not what I said, but... I know you said mostly harmless, but in general, yeah, it's mo- yeah. mostly crap. Yeah. Mostly, not complete. Like, yeah. It's not totally harmless. Right. Yeah, I think mostly. it was... I think we were like maybe 70% crap, 30% okay, which maybe 35% okay in my mind. Yeah, that's pretty much like the population in general, I think. 70% dicks. <laughs> well, that, yeah, exactly. My, uh, my, my, my late father used to say that, uh, human beings were like toothpaste, uh, 10% active ingredient, 90% filler. That's he, probably He's not right. wrong. No, no, he's not. Alrighty, well, that's it. Uh, check out A Christmas Horror Story if you want to, everyone. If you're a big Shatner fan, I mean, you've probably already seen it, so... It's hard to keep up on Shatner. If you're a big Shatner fan and watch everything that he's in, that's a full-time job. <laughs> I don't know if that's a full-time job I'd want. I'd have to pay really well. There's books, too. There's a whole series of books he wrote. Good God. Text something. All right. Well. Ghost, ghost wrote. Anyway, he had ghost writers. Yeah, of course. But still, his name is on it. That's right. And that's all that matters. Yeah. All right. Just before we wrap up here, Jason, I'm going to play a call from Terry who uh, may have a suggestion for what we talk about next on the podcast. Here we go. Hey, Jason and Chris. Merry Christmas to you and yours. I have just finished watching The Stand, Stephen King's original. I read it years ago, but had to see the movie again. Guys, this is one for you guys to critique. If you compare it and contrast it to The Walking Dead, you guys will be amazed. Really love your show. Follow you always. This is Terry in Texas. Bye. Amazing. Thank you so much, Terry in Texas, for giving us a call. So, Jason, I have never seen the original The Stand. It, are we talking about the Gary Sinise thing? Or uh, I've read the books. I've listened to the audiobook like within the last five or six years. Uh, big fan, but I've seen. There was a, uh, The Stand, it was a miniseries. Uh, let's take a look. So there was 1994, The Stand, yeah, starring Gary Sinise and Molly Ringwald. <laughs> yeah, Molly Ringwald, and there was a whole bunch of other people in it too. Right. Whoopi Goldberg, good Lord. Yeah, so four episodes in 1994. Now, that, as far as I know, is the only other adaptation of The Stand, but currently, CBS has just done a remake uh, miniseries of The Stand that is just airing right now. Oh, that's the one I'm talking about with Whoopi Goldberg. Sorry, I got, I just looked it up and... Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, that's that's the new one, I guess, with Whoopi Goldberg, James Marsden, yep. uh, you know, Alexander Skarsgård. So, um, so I, I'm not, uh, you know, Terry did say she watched the original, uh, but there is the new one. And I must admit, I am very, very curious about this new version of the stand. So this might be something I could see us covering. Uh, I don't know how much we'll compare it to the walking dead, but Terry suggested we do. So maybe that's a thing that we could think about doing, but how would you feel about watching the new version of the stand or should we watch the old one first or should we watch both? What do you think? Well, Oh, I'm always up for the stand. I love the stand. Okay. Uh, I, it's funny. I know very little about it. So, um, why don't we, why don't we commit to watching the new version of the stand, which is airing now. And in the new year, we'll do a review 
or we'll just take a look at those four. I think there's four episodes. Four episodes of the original, yeah, original miniseries. But the new one, I don't, how many are there of the new one? I am not sure. That I couldn't tell you. It's Uh, ongoing right now, so who knows? Oh, it looks like there's a lot more than four. looks like there's as many as nine. So, um... Okay, well, well, we'll we'll figure it out. But I think it looks like we will talk about the stand. I'm thinking probably the new one, maybe just the first couple episodes, something like that. See how it goes. Uh, but thank you, Terry, for that recommendation. That'll be sometime in uh, in January in the new year. Sure, that sounds good. All right, and it'll be exciting for me since I don't really know much about it. That's a Stephen King blind spot for me, which there's probably more than one of, but that's a big one. Yeah, well, it's post-apocalyptic, right? It's the world ends. Here's what happens. Okay, perfect. Right up our alley. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone. That is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. And as we said off the top, have a wonderful holiday. I hope you're enjoying yourself this Christmas, doing whatever it is you do, whether it's Christmas or any other way you celebrate. So please enjoy yourself. And uh, we will be back sometime in January with more podcasting to come. If you would like to get in touch in the meantime, absolutely do so by visiting TalkingDeadPodcast.com, clicking on Send Voicemail at the top to send us a message. That's a great way to send us a recording. You can also visit our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TheTalkingDead or send email to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. And a quick reminder before we go, you can always support the show by hitting up TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash PayPal or visiting our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash TheTalkingDead. Thanks so much to everyone that supports us on with either of those message and of course, uh, with either of those ways and of course, everyone else who uh, supports us just by listening or leaving reviews. Awesome. I could barely get that out of my mouth. I don't know what it is. That's okay. You <laughs> sure. got Christmas mouth. I, I got the Christmas <laughs> mouth. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that means. Too much, too many candy canes and cookies and. Too much in, not enough out. I guess so. Yeah. I'll have to work on that. All right. Until the new year, everyone. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Have a great one. Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs>